And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New, New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back. Thanks for joining us today on this fine, beautiful, hopefully day outside. We say hopefully because, as we've talked about, we pre-record some of our episodes due to our busy schedules. Yeah, so on the day that this comes out, I have no idea if it's going to be beautiful, but I hope so. I hope so. It'll be May. It'll be May. Well, it is May it now. Is May. But, but it will you know. be warm, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Sunny, sensual, flowers blooming, blooming more. <laughs> no more rain. Or hope snow. so. So I hope that's what you are experiencing today. Unfortunately, our case today is not a roller coaster in the sense that it's just all sad. Mm-hmm. There's no up and down and surprises. It's all sad. And it's another unsolved one. Oh, we do that, don't we? We do. And it's so frustrating because it's like you want to have closure by the end of the case. Yeah. Like, oh, they found the person responsible. They right. know who did this. Right. Or like our last episode, they know who the victims are. But it's like you don't... You don't know anything. You don't get that closure and it's very frustrating. It is really hard. So today is no exception. Mm-hmm. And But it's a good one. It's, you know, it's small town New Hampshire... Um, and I think it's, like we always say, it's important to cover. So I think cases like these are more important to cover mm-hmm. because the ones where we have to really bust our asses to find information to make an episode on because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot out there. Right. I feel like it makes it all the more important. I would agree with you. And without further ado, we will be covering The, the Murders of Stella Bolton and James Moore. Okay, we're going to start with our sources per usual, but do keep in mind, everyone, that this is a relatively uh, quick case, and unfortunately, there's not a ton of info on it. It's all very repetitive, and like you said earlier, Katie, it's unsolved still, Mm -hmm. which is tough. But anyway, you want to tell us your sources? Sure. I have information from WMUR.com, the New Hampshire Department of Justice. I found a couple different articles on Seacoast Online, which is always a great resource, Mm -hmm. Foster's Daily Democrat, Patch.com, and the Portsmouth Police Department Facebook page. Oh, all right. Um, You seem to have found a lot more than I could, so props to you. Um, I had Seacoast Online as well. I had three articles from them, um, which we like Seacoast Online, I think, coming from our hometown especially, but Mm -hmm. I I do like Seacoast Online. Also, WMUR, which is the local news station for anyone who's not from New Hampshire. Um, I also found information on Patch. And then I also got information from um, coldcasenewengland.org. And that's it. Sweet. Great. All right. Let's get started with this case. Um, There's something about unsolved cases that really from every article and every newspaper article and everything you see there's just the same circulating information and it's nowhere near enough to get any kind of answer Mm -hmm. and i understand that the police departments and the investigators definitely have more that they haven't released but from a true crime standpoint talking about it doing research there is just nothing not anything that we can really even touch upon which sucks yeah and i think it's really frustrating too because both of the victims in this case are people of color Mm. and we'll get into that too so Mm -hmm. it's always so frustrating when the media neglects 
cases where the victims are people of color. Yeah. They would rather focus on other cases mm -hmm. where, say, a white woman right. goes missing or is murdered. Right. So we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole lot of different circumstances around this case. Even yeah. if there is not a lot, I think it's very much worth talking about. Oh, agreed. Agreed. So let's take a second to talk about Stella Bolton and James Moore. Mm-hmm. So Stella was actually born and raised in Trinidad, um, and she ultimately l moved to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is where this uh, crime takes place. Mm -hmm. um, she was, and we have the one picture of her, and she looks like such a sweet old lady. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, she was actually known as being like very pleasant, very grandmother-like, and like acting as a bonus grandmother to all these children in their um, neighborhood, which at the time was called Mariner's Village. Um, she loved cooking in true grandma style, loved it. And also, this made me smile, she loved to play bingo. That was her thing, and she was very good at it. Damn right. Um, I love that energy. I love the grandma energy. Um, so she was just very well liked mm -hmm. um, in the neighborhood, and there were a lot of children who really enjoyed her presence, especially because she loved to make cookies and give them out. And this made me laugh because it's so me. She was actually known as the bird lady because she was known for really going out of her way to feed the town's birds. That's so sweet. Which is like amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the reasons why there are signs in parks and stuff that are like, <laughs> please do not feed the squirrels. That's me, 100%. <laughs> um, so she just seemed like a really nice person and... Um, you know, coming from Trinidad, that's, that's a big transition, too. Mm -hmm. James was a Navy veteran who had served in three wars. That blows my mind. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. He was also retired from the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. Hmm. The dynamic between James and Stella was roommates mm -hmm. and longtime friends. Right. There's some speculation that a man and a woman can't live together <laughs> without being more than just friends. That's not true. It's very old-timey thinking. Um, they were very good friends, and they looked out for one another. Mm -hmm. It was a very pure friendship where they just helped each other out yep. and, and enjoyed each other's company in their retirement. Exactly. And it turns out that um, James, who also went by JJ, um, was really good friends with Stella's husband, who had died. Um, and so when he did die, they kind of moved in together because they knew each other and they both didn't want to live alone. And there really was, it seems, nothing romantic about their relationship. They're to, looking out for each other. Truly. They were in their 60s. Yeah. Very normal. It's not a weird thing, especially they're adults. They can mm -hmm. do whatever they want. James also had diabetes and gout and he used a cane. Mm -hmm. So Stella helped him when he needed it. Yeah. And people in the neighborhood said that they would see James, a.k.a. JJ, often sitting on the porch just watching everything going on, saying hi to the kids as they walked by. Mm -hmm. Really, really sweet people. Yes. And then I found in one of the articles I read that every single night at 5 p.m. without fail, James would sit on the porch crack open a beer, and just people watch. I love it. Without fail. That's awesome. I love it. That is so funny. Um, so both JJ and Stella were considered to be friendly, open, compassionate. Police believe that this is the reason that they were targeted. Mm -hmm. They were easy targets, really. 
I personally think that they were targeted because they were both open and friendly and compassionate because they were doing so while being black. Oh, yeah. This was in 1991. Mm -hmm. Um, Portsmouth is known now as being more liberal. Yeah. Still not really a whole lot of diversity going on. Mm, It's New England, Katie. Yeah. (laughs) But Portsmouth has like a pride parade. Yeah. More accepting. Mm Mm-hmm. But I mean, even so, a couple months ago, um, there was a bunch of skinheads and white supremacists that were showing up to Pride events. Um, a few months ago, there was a drag queen read aloud to children, yes, and yeah. they came and they protested that and That's... stood outside making hateful comments. And so a lot of people make Portsmouth out to be this like super liberal, mm-hmm. open, we love everybody, yeah. and it's just not the case. Yeah. Um, it was more so not open in the 90s, and, you know, unfortunately, Stella and JJ, they were black. Right. So I do feel as though that's why they were targeted in the crime that we'll talk about. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, that's definitely one of the things about history and now that seems like it'll never change, and that's um, people of color are victimized um, often, way more often than white people, whether it be they are the victims of crimes like this or they are um, accused of crimes and put in jail and served long, they're serving long sentences mm-hmm. um, just because of their skin color. Uh, unfortunately, that's just been true for the entirety of human existence, mm-hmm. which is unfair. And just because we're in New England and it's mostly white people, and it's sad. And I think you're right, Katie. I think they were targeted. Um, because of their race and also because they were elderly, mm-hmm. um, which means they couldn't put up a fight and because they were doing well for themselves Yep, and they were friendly. For sure. Easy targets, unfortunately. Very vulnerable. So February 16th of 1991, uh, it's super early in the morning, like 1.30 a.m. And the Portsmouth Fire Department was alerted uh, to Rock Hill Avenue for a fire. So it was actually a two-alarm fire, which means that there wasn't just, like, a fire truck there. There was other departments that were there to help. Um, technically speaking, a two-fire alarm is less so severe than... I think I've heard of, like, a four-alarm, five-alarm. Four alarm, five-alarm is, like, the worst. Yes, yeah. So um, it was on the fire alarm scale. It wasn't as high, but... Um, it did require extra assistance. Um, so when police and fire departments arrived to this location, they discovered a blazing fire, but they also discovered two deceased bodies. Um, it was discovered after some investigating that the fire started in the back of the house, the very back of the house, and then into the left rear bedroom and had even spread to the house next door. But wow. it didn't come forward so much to the front of the house. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you hear this and you think, okay, so they found two bodies. And as you know, we've been talking about Stella and JJ. Unfortunately, that was Stella and JJ. They had both perished. Um, and naturally, you know, when you find a fire and you find bodies, you think, okay, they died from the fire. And that's terrible. Um, later, an autopsy was performed on both of them. The reason they do this even though it seems cut and dry for a fire, be like, well, they burned to death, duh. Well, no, they do that even with in this situation. Like, were they alive when the fire started? Like, did they have soot in their lungs, meaning like they were breathing in? Did they die of smoke inhalation? Whatever. 
carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, so when the medical examiner kind of got their bodies on the table, they realized Stella and JJ didn't die from the fire. They had been stabbed many times each. Yeah. So this case was then classified as a homicide. Naturally. Because it seems as though Stella and JJ were stabbed to death Mm -hmm. and then their home was set on fire to get rid of evidence. Which, I don't know guys, just as like an FYI, and I've seen it in crime shows and talked about it on here and then other podcasts, setting a fire to your dead body like your victims doesn't really, doesn't really cover it. And if you stab someone to death, there's still going to be stab wounds on their charred body. Yep. And stab wounds do go all the way to the bone, usually. Mm -hmm. Make marks on the bone. So a medical examiner can determine the real cause of death, just as an FYI. Just a little (laughs) tip for you guys, if you're ever going to commit homicide, then arson. So, yeah, they Mm -hmm. had been stabbed. James was 73 at this time, and Stella was 68. Oh. My God. What's really interesting is that not too long after the fire, um, you know, we talked about there's a whole bunch of kids in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, a neighborhood boy actually found an eight inch knife that had clearly been discarded, like just thrown out nearby. Um, and so police immediately suspected, OK, this is probably the murder weapon. It mm-hmm. looked like it had just been thrown out like a car window or just like willy nilly because it was, you know, trying to get rid of evidence. So I think that's. A good bet that that was the murder weapon. And, you know, like we said, they were stabbed. Mm -hmm. So it's not a far reach. Um, So like you said, Liz, Stella especially was very known to be friendly to kids in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, She would give them candy and cookies that she baked. Mm. I personally, I grew up with an old lady like this in my neighborhood where she would bake everybody cookies and give all of us kids candy. And it's just like a grandmotherly type figure. Yeah. Some people think that this is weird. Like, don't take candy from strangers. That's not a stranger. No, it's not. Your neighbor who is friendly Mm -hmm. and everybody looks out for everybody, that is not a stranger. Yeah. That behavior is not suspicious. People are trying to say like, oh, well, Stella was too open and she would give kids candy. Yeah, because she's like a grandmotherly figure. Yeah. And she's also from Trinidad, so that culture is very you know, generous. Mm -hmm. It takes a village. Right. Yeah, literally. Um, The two of them were very well liked in the neighborhood. So naturally, this was a big shock. Mm -hmm. Anyways, because they're two old people. Like, what is their, what would be a motive for that? Right. Um, The neighborhood, I guess, was sometimes referred to as ghetto or a cardboard village. Mm. Um. A neighbor of Stella and James actually wrote in to Seacoast Online Mm -hmm. after one of their articles, you know, used those words to describe their neighborhood. Right. The neighbor was like, you don't know what you're talking about. This is a working class neighborhood. Yeah. Everybody looks out for everybody. Mm -hmm. We have each other's backs. And people would joke around that, you know, this is Mariner's village, Mm -hmm. but it really is a village because it takes a village and we all look out for each other and we all have each other's backs. Which is awesome and a sweet sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, kids would actually take turns shoveling snow to make a path to the front door for Stella and James. Aww. And they would fight over it. They'd be like, it's my turn to shovel for Stella. It's my turn. No, you did it last week. Like That's cute. Really, really sweet. Oh, It's so obvious that they were well-liked. Mm-hmm. And they were just 
you know, this shocked the neighborhood for more, like I said, more reasons than just it was Stella and James, but because, hello, this is a normal neighborhood. And calling it the Portsmouth Ghetto or whatever was very wrong on that journalist's part, on anyone's part who called it that. Um, They were known for being a tight-knit community and crime wasn't exactly like a huge reoccurring thing there. Mm -hmm. This was surprising. So the only thing that the police really could think of for a theory as to why anyone would do this is really a stretch, in my opinion. It's a... They're really reaching here. And listen, I get it, but it doesn't seem likely to me. Um, So a possible motive was maybe due to some recent bingo winnings. Turns out that Stella and JJ, you know, they loved bingo and they had recently struck some luck and won a, I don't know, a decent amount of money. They never said how much money, but a decent amount where they were like, yeah, that was some, that was a good Monday night bingo sesh. (laughs) Um, So they wondered maybe someone local who maybe knew of people who went to the bingo hall or was working it or whatever, that they maybe knew that Stella and JJ had come into this little bit of money and that maybe they had used that as a motive and their kind demeanor and elderly physical conditions to take advantage of that. Um, But that was just a theory and there was nothing that ever panned out for that as well. Wow. So they had no idea. That was just them kind of grasping at straws, um, which is unfortunate. But Mm -hmm. that was really all they had. Wow. Mm -hmm. They also thought that the murder was committed by a local resident. Um, They, Portsmouth Police Detective Aaron Goodwin claimed that he didn't know what the murderers wanted to take. Like if they were there to rob or, you know, get jewelry, steal money, whatever. Um, He didn't know if it was a robbery gone wrong, but he said, quote, if they had just asked, JJ and Sela would have just given it to them. So clearly, you know, if it was a local, maybe they weren't directly targeted because anyone who knew them would know that they would not put up a fight. They mm-hmm. would not ask questions. They would just say, okay, you want money? Here's the money. Like, here's what I've got, you know? So clearly it was, it doesn't seem like just a robbery. Someone mm-hmm. was maybe out to get them or wanted to kill. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's just, wow. Yeah. It's sad. Despite numerous interviews conducted and several pieces of evidence found at the scene, this case has not been solved and it remains cold. That's terrible. It's been 31 years? Mm-hmm. Just about. That's terrible. Um, in 2011, Portsmouth police told news source WMUR that they believe people in Portsmouth know what happened that morning and mm-hmm. aren't saying what they know. Wow. That's bold, but I think I might agree a little bit. Mm-hmm. Somebody knows something. Maybe not so much in the neighborhood itself, Mm -hmm. but someone could have seen, you know, a car driving Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Someone could have known something. People talk. Right. Oh, people talk. All right. You don't just kill somebody and not say anything to anybody. Yeah, I can't imagine I would be able to shut my mouth. Mm -mm. Um, Portsmouth police are still searching for who could have done this. Right. You mentioned him, Aaron Goodwin. Yep. He stated, we're not looking to charge anyone who just has information. If you were living in this community and you heard something, anything, come forward. Let us know what it is. Mm. There's also another police detective. Her name is Rochelle Jones. 
She actually grew up in the neighborhood with Stella and James, and she mm. took over their case in August of 2021. Nice. She was just 14 at the time of the murders. She was interviewed um, because of her personal connection with them and her willingness mm. to take on this case to right. get justice for, you know, the old lady that would give her and her friends and her siblings candy. Yep. Like, she has a personal connection, and I think it's really sweet that she's so determined. Right. I think so, too. She stated, we'd just be outside playing, and we'd see Stella and would stop and say, Stella, Stella, hi. (laughs) We went up to her, and I just remember, my memory was always that she always wore these cute, nice, fun sundresses, Mm -hmm. and we'd go up to hug her, and she was too big for me to get my arms around. She was just like this sweet, squishy grandmother. Oh. Mm-hmm. I grandmas definitely do have that distinct squishy big hug kind of energy mm-hmm. I feel that way when I hug my grandma I love it it's like a specific kind of yes hug it's lovely yep. I love it so warm and sweet yeah. and caring yeah so I don't normally give kudos to police officers or detectives almost never no um but I will say Rochelle Jones um She is very determined to get this case solved. She also said in an interview that she herself is biracial. So she feels a very personal connection to them aside from having known them growing up. And she feels like their race probably was an element in their murder. Yeah. Really, it's definitely shouldn't be put to the side. That's definitely a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stella and James are buried in Portsmouth's Calvary Cemetery and they share a headstone. James also has a grave marker memorializing him because he was a veteran. That's right. Mm -hmm. That is right. Wow. As far as I know, um, Portsmouth Crime Stoppers and the police department are offering a monetary reward for any information regarding their murder. Um, The last I saw was $20,000, which is, um, hey, that's a pretty penny. That's a pretty penny. So... Hello, if anyone heard anything, saw anything, Mm -hmm. I know the whole thing of snitches get stitches. Mm -hmm. Get over it. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Say something, because these people are innocent and they didn't deserve any of this. No, no, they did not. Anyone with any information about the murders of Stella Bolton and James Moore are asked to please call the Seacoast Crime Stoppers. Their phone number is 603-431-1199. You can also reach out to call Detective Rochelle Jones personally. Wow. She is looking for any and all information about this case. Mm-hmm. Her phone number is 603-610-7503. Awesome. Great. That's She's so dedicated. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, one of the articles had such a great pictures of her with the burnt door mm-hmm. and, like, going through. She was at their grave site. It was really nice. She's clearly very dedicated, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But it's just so puzzling. Like, who would do that to these people? And was it really racially motivated? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. It breaks your heart. And they look, like, so nice. Such good people. We have the nicest picture of them on our Instagram and our website. Yeah. They're very... They have really big smiles. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, looking at um, Stella, you really can tell she's grandmotherly. It's awesome. And I did love that tidbit about James where he just, every night, uh-huh. 5 p.m. sharp, it's like, oh, got to crack open a cold one, sit in my rocking chair on the porch, and just 
watch. Just watch. Enjoying their retirement like they should be. Yeah. I know. He, three wars. Mm-hmm. That's a brave man right there. And this is the thanks that he gets. I know. I know. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. So if you guys listening are from Portsmouth, know any from Portsmouth, or know someone who was in Portsmouth in 1991, please encourage them to think back and try and remember if they do have any information about this case. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine because it was two black individuals, it maybe didn't get as much news attention. It just might, it might not have, honestly. And if their neighborhood, too, was being referred to as the ghetto of Portsmouth and the cardboard village, then that also makes me pretty convinced that it didn't get as much media attention as it maybe would have if Mm -hmm. they were white elderly people living in a more rich neighborhood. I agree. I think that's probably a big factor in it. Mm -hmm. And also why maybe we can't find a whole bunch of information. Right. I went on newspapers.com and searched every keyword I could think of for 1991 in New Hampshire and some surrounding states. I did Sell Bolton. I did James Moore. I did Arson. I did Fire. I did Portsmouth Fire. I did House Fire. Ports. Like, I did everything. I couldn't find a single thing. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe that's because of the race. Who knows? Yeah. Um, fun fact, Mariner's Village and Stella and James's home has since been torn down. It's now the site of a development called Blue Heron Lane. Mm. So, you know, we've talked about it before where things get torn down and renamed and it really doesn't help an ongoing investigation that's grown cold and maybe has been reopened because you lose out a lot of evidence. Mm -hmm. And even talking about it, people are like, oh, Mariner's Village, where's that? Right. It's been completely redone. It's the site of a new development. Yeah. Completely new name. So So. any evidence that was left around, if there was, definitely is gone. Mm -hmm. You guys should definitely let us know what you think about this case, um, your theories. And again, if you have any information, you can call those numbers that Katie listed. Um, Obviously, even though it's been 31 years, it's not unthought of it's not forgotten so Mm -hmm. definitely take those steps if you are able to so if you guys want to tell us what you think about this episode you can find us on instagram and twitter at true crime any all lowercase and you can also send us an email at our email account which would be true crime any at gmail.com you could also head over to our website true crime ne.com we have a submission tool where you can send us your thoughts on this case your thoughts in general yeah, sure. Tell us how good of a day you're having. What are you thinking about today? And send us cases based in New England that you would like for us to cover in a future episode. We would love to hear from you either way, even yes. if you are anonymous, yes. which our submission tool allows for. Yes. Isn't that convenient? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely take a look at the website, too. There's a lot of great stuff on there from every episode has a page. Katie does amazing work with the case profiles, um, which are all people of color who do not have a lot of information on their deaths um, and it's all mostly unsolved Mm -hmm. so it's a great page she does a lot of hard work so definitely check those out yeah and then (laughs) um with that we'll see you next week bye goodbye